0: welcome back to more than numbers enneagram for business my name is keanu trujillo the host of this podcast joined by my partner best friend lamar bratton what's up lamar
1: Uh, what's up uh, appreciate the best friend (laughs) shout out
0: hey your your best friends should be your partners and i don't know i don't know i've heard a lot of conflicting guidance when it comes to partnering with friends dave ramsey says the only ship that doesn't sail is a partnership but uh, our partnerships have been doing pretty well. I mean, I think that we understand each other. But I also think this is this was not meant to be a plug, but I think Uh-oh. it works. It's because of what we know about each other through our accelerated relationships through the Enneagram. We get mm. each other. I'm not always trying to make you understand my perspective. You're not always trying to make me understand yours. We just get it. So I think mm-hmm. that's why we work so well together.
1: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. No, I 100% agree with that. Are you are you transitioning the podcast right now? Because there's, there's something. Maybe there might be something in there. We
0: had something we wanted to talk about, but you know, that, that, that would be good. I think that's constantly an, an undertone of the podcast is under that understanding and how the Enneagram of course can be helpful in your partnerships and your relationships yeah. your business and your team. But today we want to talk about, I heard this and I wanted to unpack it on the podcast because it was so relevant. Exposure equals expansion. And I think I actually heard it on a sports show to be honest, but it was talking about how people in all walks of life come together on professional teams or college teams, and it exposes them to what's going on in the world that they would have never been exposed to without having come together on this team. And I think the same is true in business, right? And I just wanted to unpack it a little bit. Lamar, you were a D1 all-star football player. You know this seems like a lifetime ago but we've never right, really man. unpacked that but you were d1 all-star you held records uh, at new mexico for the most consecutive starts there for a time i've seen the trophies you had the most pancake blocks uh for a couple of years or you got some trophies for that so i want to hear it from your perspective when you hear exposure equals expansion do you have any stories or things that come to mind particularly in your life and your football career
1: Man, a lot, uh, a lot. And I'm glad that you brought this topic up. It got me really excited because I can think of a number of different stories. So to bring it all back, what exposure comes to my mind, it goes back to when I first started playing uh, football. And I remember in eighth grade, yeah, I didn't play tackle football until eighth grade. I remember going out there practicing and I was so nervous. I was like, I don't know how to hit people. I don't know how to tackle. And we used to have to walk to our field. It was like, uh, it was like a mile down the road. We have to walk a mile with our pads and all that stuff down to the field. And I remember I was like, today's the first day of pads. Like I've never been in pads before. So I asked my best friend who had been playing tackle football since he was six years old. So his brain was shot, but he knew how to play. (laughs) <laughs> so i asked him, i was like i was like hey jacob i've never tackled before like what do i do he's like all right this is all you got to do you run full speed head up and then when you make contact you grab their legs and you pull them i was like all right and uh my first yeah it didn't like I, it didn't make sense to me either i was like all right but we get out there on the field and i smashed this kid and this kid was big too. And ever since that day, everybody was scared of me. It was my first day in pads. So the exposure part, like I was so nervous. I was like, man, like I'm gonna look like a wimp. I'm gonna be scared, I'm gonna be soft. But what happened was I got exposed to actually doing the difficult tasks and I did it. And then it led to the expansion of of me eventually having this huge, um, I mean, in my eyes, it was huge, huge, this really big football career. Uh, But on top of that, the other thing, the other part of expansion that I caught on to was being exposed to greater and greater talent, right? I just got introduced and exposed to the sport. But then when I went into high school, I remember going out onto the field and this is my freshman year. And I remember looking at the, the varsity team and I'm going walking around to the freshmen. So to get to the freshman field, you had to walk around the varsity field. So I'm looking, I'm sizing up. I'm like, these guys are way bigger than me. I was like, I'm never going to play varsity football. <laughs> this, there's no chance. Like, how am I going to do this? And that being playing on the opposite field from the varsity team and always seeing them and always being exposed to like their tenacity, their 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 energy, their build, it made me want to build myself to be like that as well. And eventually I started uh, I started varsity as a sophomore. I was the, there was only two people that actually was on the varsity team and I was the only sophomore that started. Mm. And so I started from sophomore year all the way, all the way to senior year. And the exact same thing happened in college. Uh, when I went to university, of New Mexico, we had to ride on the treadmill before we were able to do any type of exercise because of the whole, uh, what is that? What's that thing called Keanu? Like when it's elevation sickness sure uh, elevation sickness i'm not sure it's but it's, like
0: the change in elevation they made you like they're gosh, trying to acclimate a, it's you
1: a to it yeah it's a specific term that if you have this you really have a hard time operating in elevation but anyways doesn't matter i was on the treadmill and like i was next to this guy this dude this dude's name was ugo ugo when you hear the name ugo do you think that's a small person or someone that's probably that's
0: scary massive massive person
1: <laughs> Humongous. Yes. Right. And that's exactly what it was. Ugo was 6'5, 260 pounds of rock solid Nigerian muscle <laughs> from Washington, D.C. So, and he had long dreads. <laughs> so, he was terrifying. So, Ugo, if you're listening to this, you scared the heck out of me when I first met you. <laughs> I'm on the bike next to, and I, I remember I was 260. But I'm only 6'1", so I'm like a small little bowling ball next to this really large guy that's 6'5 with six pack and long dreads chiseled. And I'm right next to him like, there's no way I'm ever gonna play. No way I'm ever gonna play. Look at him, look at me, not a chance. But what the crazy thing is, Ugo was a phenomenal player, but I turned out to be first team all conference, all Mount West mm-hmm. Conference. And there was only my whole tenure there. I think there was only two of us out of the whole five or six years that I've been there. And I can't remember how many we've even had since then, but it's very rare for someone from University of New Mexico to be a first team all conference. And I got that. Ugo did it. Mm. Not anything against Ugo, but it just goes to show that when you're exposed to a certain level of talent, um, if you look at it the right way and take on the challenge, uh, that expansion of your your gift grows so i talked a lot but that's what came up to me
0: what what do you think though i mean specifically what were you exposed to that maybe ugo wasn't exposed to like what gave you that edge wow um because washington dc probably produces some athletes too i mean there's nothing like california ball texas ball alabama ball like this big time players come out of those states they got they have them in dc
1: we had a lot of people on our team from dc what I, what I think what the exposure was, was I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, I exposed myself to a lot of uh, mentorship and guide and like my coaches, like in film, I consumed film all the time. I was mm-hmm. always in the film room looking at how I can do something better. I wasn't afraid to look at my mistakes and figure out how to make it better. Like, and I absolutely loved it when I got it right. I loved watching my film over and over again when I got it right. But not just to say, look what I did, but also to see, like, what did I do? And so I think the reviewing and the playback of my work and then every single day being exposed to the weight room, taking that extra time to recover or to do the extra set, uh, I think is what led to Mm -hmm. some of my expansion. And I I don't know, I wasn't there with Ugo, but I just know for a fact that there wasn't a whole lot of people that was watching more film than I did. Right. So my mental exposure was I was probably if not, it was number one in, in the, on the team. Yeah, so.
0: that's great. Well, to, to constantly be developing yourself, that's paramount. If you're really wanting to do something as far as leadership and growing a business, anything, right? You are the lid, John yeah. Maxwell calls it the law of the lid. If you don't continue to develop yourself, then the things you want to accomplish won't grow either. And those under you even more so. Yeah. What about you? Uh,
1: expansion equals exposure.
0: Well, what I was thinking about, I mean, I like your practical example with football. And honestly, I didn't know the answer to that question. I was really curious because I know that you had been exposed and we'll get back to that a little bit because I do want to know professionally how your exposure to other cultures within that D1 football team, people coming Mm -hmm. from all over the country, how that translated into business. So as I'm talking, be thinking about that. See me, I'm a verbal processor. Mm -hmm. We know that's a strength. So if I get put on the spot, I'm better and lamar <laughs> i have to give him a little bit of time to process and that's okay he's more analytical in his thought process so think about that think about what exposure or what that exposure being on that d1 team how that translated over into your professional career because even then with the financial firm that you worked with there was a lot of exposure to because it's a it's a national company right mm-hmm. So we have to, when we understand the big picture, how people operate, then it does translate. But really what was coming to mind for me, particularly and why it's relevant to those that would listen to our podcast is, you know, most of our demographic people that listen are business owners, entrepreneurs, or people that want to start their own businesses. And we must be willing to expose ourselves to different perspectives and different ways of thinking. And I've begun to describe the Enneagram in a different way as of late. Where the Enneagram is not a personality tool. Technically, it isn't. It's not a personality tool. It's not a personality assessment. It gives insight to personality, quote unquote. But what the Enneagram is, the Enneagram is a tool that gives insight to perspective, patterns, then personality. So it helps us to see, okay, what is their perspective? How are they seeing this thing? what are the patterns that their perspective has created? Because if they see something, then it's going to inform how they do something, which then creates a pattern, which then leads to the creation of who they are or their personality. So when we Mm -hmm. understand someone's perspective and we expose ourselves to their perspective, one, we're able to accelerate relationships, but of course, we're able to accelerate results through our effectiveness. And here's an example. If you Wanted to, let's say, take the business in this direction, or you wanted to, you have someone on your team who is opposed to doing something, right? We need to be able to and be willing to expose ourselves to why, right? Where is that coming from, right? What in their life, what experience informed why they are opposed to doing something or the reason they want to do something? And I think that I've just continuing continually operating now with business owners and with teams that is the greatest disconnect is one person is saying this and another person is saying that and or even they're saying the same thing but it's two sides of the same coin and it's causing such dissent and tension that they're not able to do what they need to do because they're just all this conflict or this tension and then here's the worst part it's one thing if you have conflict and tension that's a good thing but then they don't address it (laughs) They don't do anything about it. And it slowly starts to erode the relationship and then you're losing people and you're losing your team. And so if we were to take a moment to expose ourselves to each other's perspective and truly understand where each other is coming from, then it would lead to our expansion. Right. The expansion of our bottom line, the expansion of our team, the expansion. I mean, physically, people, if they want to start a second, third, fourth, fifth location, right, they want to truly expand in that sense, then we have to have some kind of understanding. Because if I were to say, All right, hey, uh, Lamar, you're going to start a true strategy team there in San Diego, right? And I wanted that from you. I, need to know that you understand my heart and my passion and my vision so that way you can carry that out, right? And that's where a lot of people, I know some people that are uh, business owners that don't want to expand because they just don't think anyone could do it like they can. Well, all right, not everyone is meant to expand. Maybe you're meant to be a local mom and pop shop, but some of you are meant to expand, but you won't because you don't have the people to carry it out. And if you had the right people, Mm -hmm. then you would, you would expand, you would multiply, right? You would take your five talents and turn it into 10 or your two into four, what have you, but instead mm-hmm. you bury the one because you mm-hmm. don't want to expose yourself to other ways of thinking or find someone that can carry forth your way of thinking. So, you know, of course I get really yeah. passionate
1: and fiery about. No, this is really good like, because then that takes me, cause that takes me in a completely different um, direction, which I think is now more so in line with the expansion uh, the, sorry, the exposure that you're talking about to expansion and more so in the team development space and area. And when I think about uh, all the teams that I've been a part of, we all come from so many different walks of life. Some men grew up in DC, some are in Southern California, those are in Texas. Uh, Literally everyone is thinking quite opposite, just from geographical location. And then on top of that, some are black, some are white, some are Hispanic. Uh, yes. are. I don't know what you are. <laughs> uh, they didn't know who they were either. But in different families and different cultures, like, you know, everyone made fun of me because I talked a little bit more uh, proper for a black guy, uh, especially the people from Texas and Florida who I could barely understand at times. But the way that it helped me understand the lead is, gosh, now that I think about it, there was guys that would just be completely misunderstood. And a lot of times I had to be their interpreter. I live with uh, two guys that were from Florida and man, I don't know how close you are with people that are from deep down South Florida, but those guys speak a different language. And I was literally their interpreter. Like we would go out, uh, whether that's a party or get together or whatever. And they would try to talk to a girl or they would try to talk to anybody. And, uh, gosh, I, I can't even mimic their language, but I literally had to sit there and like, no, this is what he said. And this is what he meant. <laughs> because People would look at them so sideways and sometimes they get offended or they'd be scared. Uh, but and it, it would make me feel so bad because I live with these guys and I know that they mean, well, this is just their culture. This is just how they act. This is how they talk. But because I spent that time being exposed to their culture, I was able to then translate that. Cause I could empathize with them. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I was able to empathize with them and then translate that empathy to who they were trying to communicate with. Yeah.
0: You know, what's interesting is when you talk about accents, and this is a very physical example of like exposure and understanding, but I, I do see that this happens in leadership is if you ever met someone with a really thick accent, or you really can't hear them, maybe you're in a loud place and you mm-hmm. know, they're saying something, but you can't really interpret it. And then what do yeah. you do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah all
1: right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you know, the awkward laugh is the worst. I'm so guilty of that. (laughs) And and
0: they're like, they're they're like, that wasn't even funny. Or, you know, you, you just pretend that you heard them so you can move on.
1: The the big smile and head nod. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to walk away, but let's be honest. How how often does that happen on your team? Or how often mm. does that happen in your leadership where someone's saying something you know they're saying something right there yeah. there are words coming out of their mouth yeah but you don't really hear them or you're not really listening mm. so you're just oh yeah okay all right and then trying to move on
1: yeah right
0: wow i wonder how often that's happening and again it's like mm. we're not really listening i read a book called never split the difference by chris voss it's a negotiation book is great for sales and i mean you'll find 25 books and they'll all say something different about sales, the yes method, the no method, whatever. But one of the greatest things I took away from that book was that Chris Voss was an FBI negotiator. And he said that in negotiations, they would have five people listening on the other line of the hostage taker mm-hmm. because we don't know how to listen. So they would have five people on the other line, not five people talking, five people just listening. Listening. There was always one person running point with the negotiation, but there'd be yeah. five people listening Because at at one given moment, one person might interpret it differently and it could change the whole course of the negotiation. It could save lives. So when I'm coaching people, I'm telling them, hey, even the FBI, trained negotiators, trained listeners use five different people to hear one person and interpret what they're saying. So we can give ourselves a little bit of grace while also Mm. understanding how terrible we are actually
1: listening. (laughs) That reminds me of our weekend trip. I don't remember what you were explaining but you had hit three different points and then you're like, Lamar Preston, what are your thoughts? <laughs> the only thing that I addressed was the last point. I was like, I was like, oh, 100%, like, oh, it was about Voxer. And I, still to this day, I don't yes. remember the other two points. Yes, that's my funny. Notes. But it was about Voxer and I was like, oh yeah, no, I've always been on board with Voxer, totally. Yes. And that was only the last thing that you said when you had covered like two or three other points before that, so totally get that. So are you saying you need to learn how to listen? everybody can learn how to listen, <laughs> just right? Kidding. Yeah. I need room for improvement. I'm you kidding. need room for improvement. Don't start with me. Yes. Yes, I do. I like to push
0: your button. So it's yeah. just my, my I nature, well. but I you know, what's well. funny is that it is true because even in our meeting. So this last weekend uh, we had the true strategy team all together, all four of us, our wives, we had an Airbnb, uh, you know, we were planning and hanging out. It was awesome to be together in person and Myself and one partner, we're eights and Lamar and our other partner, more of an advisor, they're ones. And we learned, I mean, we we knew this, but we learned even more clearly being in person this first time we've all been in person for the whole year that True Strategy Mm -hmm. has been in existence. Eights have their own language and ones have their own language. But what was cool was we knew that going in. So we were able to really understand and take time to let the ones process and then also let the eights charge. And there was one point as well where our other partner who's an eight, we, we went toe to toe. Like we were planning and, and uh, we were specifically talking about some very practical things that had to do with transitioning our website. And he and I just went at it and we had to have it out. So Lamar and our other one type one partner, they just yeah. stood back and said, this has to happen. Yeah. And then we took a break. And Daniel and I, are well, there it is. There's his name. <laughs> our other partner, Daniel, uh, who is our chief marketing officer, and he does everything digital on the back end website, all of that fun stuff. Anything that you see, true strategy, Daniel created it. We had to go toe to toe. And at the end, we stood up and we're like, that was so fun. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And we went back to work. Yeah.
1: And so no we just, hard feelings we, or anything like that.
0: Exactly. We need to understand the language. But, you know, that's a great example, Lamar, because as a type one, being an analytical processor, very logical in your processing, it just takes a little bit of time. Whereas I said all of those things, I said three different points. We were talking specifically about coaching one-to-many instead of just one-on-one coaching. And I could ask Daniel, Hey, what did I say? And he's like this, this, and this, right? Because we can process things very quickly and move on. Whereas ones need to go into the depth of understanding it more. And that's okay. That's and every point. Yeah. There's no, there's no flaw to that. Uh, That informs the way I communicate to Lamar. So I'll give him one point and I got better at it throughout the day as we were planning. Hey, here's one point, right? And what are you hearing? What are you processing? What are you thinking? And then at the same time, ones will technically what they'll do is they'll take language, they'll interpret it and they'll think about it and they'll process it. And then they'll just move forward with the way they think it is. And sometimes that's mm-hmm. not true. I remember one time I shared something with the team and Lamar and, and our, our other advisor, Preston, they thought one thing for a whole week and didn't tell me that that's what they thought. And then we came back together and they explained it. And I said, that's not at all what I said. Yeah. And they said, well, you didn't say that. And even Daniel's like, yeah, he did, but they'll process it. So now you guys have grown on your end to say, okay, is this exactly what I think it is? Because again, mm-hmm. one's being logical, just internalize it and move forward. Like look at all the damage we just saved to our team just by understanding yeah.
1: that. Yeah.
0: So anyways, and you know, in
1: closure in closing, go ahead, Lamar, you were going to say something crazy how you could see that. Uh <laughs> It's even the point you can see that I need to say something. Yes. I could only imagine other teams out there that had never gotten together in person for that long at all. To take that into context, I had not met two, uh, our business advisor and our other business partner had not even met them in person, nor have I spent longer than an hour with them on just a web conference. So you can imagine no real personal relationship at all. And we got out there. And we handled business and conflict happened. And, and and to me, like conflict, it wasn't even conflict. It was just problem resolution. Right. It wasn't a oh man like it, nothing about it was unproductive. It was one of the most productive meetings that I've ever been a part of. And it just goes to show that, you know, there's two things that we had. One, I think our relationship with Christ, all four of us allows us to empathize and level on any level that transcends any um any way that you can assess yourself, but then also understanding the way that we communicate and process and digest. Yep. Yep. Allowed us to not get offended and allowed us to realize that like, Hey, an eight is always offended. So say what you want. We're not always, <laughs> offended. we're always, we're always willing to fight. No, I know. i said that because I wanted to make you fight me. So uh, you don't want that smoke. <laughs>
0: But you know, it, it is true because one of my favorite authors, Patrick Lencioni, if you do yourself a favor, read anything by Patrick Lencioni, but the way that he writes is so great because he shares a story in the first half of the book. It's always a great story. And then in the second half, he breaks down the points of the story for what he's teaching about. And one of them is the five dysfunctions of a team. And he talks about conflict being necessary. Conflict is absolutely necessary. We can go toe to toe at the table. Let's understand all right, first of all, let's say an idea is presented and this is going to happen for those of you leaders this week. You're going to present an idea, you're going to present a perspective or something that you want to do. Someone's going to push back against that, right? They push back against that, you try to understand, well, why? Why do you think that way? Right? Well, I think this. Okay, where is that coming from? Well, it's coming from here. Okay, let's go deeper on that. Like what are you hearing me say and what I want to accomplish? This is this is a healthy way of handling it. All right, great. Now that I've heard your perspective, here's my perspective. I presented that idea because I've noticed from my point of view, right? You as leaders, mm-hmm. people should mm-hmm. not know, your team should not know all that you're actually doing in processing. Even mm-hmm. Lamar and Daniel, they don't know everything I'm processing. They, there's no way they could. So I need to communicate it in a way and come to them mm-hmm. with issues and then let them know this is where it came from. It's not just out of nowhere, right? Right. So let's understand their perspective. Then let's re-emphasize ours. And then let's understand where the tensions really are. And it could come down to the silliest things and the Enneagram helps to expose those. So then we can have it out at the table. But when everyone walks away from the table, and so Patrick, one of Patrick Lancioni's teaching points, when everyone walks away, there needs to be 100% buy-in. We can disagree. We cannot like each other's ideas. But when we walk away, we go back to our departments or our tasks. There has to be 100% buy-in to this or else we're on a steady decline to this team disintegrating and let's Mm -hmm. have the conflict at the table. And he says, well, some of you leaders, and I'm going to share this as well. Some of you leaders say we don't have conflict at the table. And he says, there's your warning. If (laughs) they're not talking. And I I told this to my leaders all the time when I was leading at elevation church, I had 125 volunteers under me, 30 leaders under me, three direct reports. I told them, if you're not telling me your tensions, Mm -hmm. you're telling someone else. Mm -hmm. So please come to me with your issues. Come to me Mm -hmm. with your tensions. Come to me with your frustrations. So leaders, if they're not telling you what's wrong, trust me, they're telling someone else. Man, Open yourself up. Be vulnerable to say, tell me what I don't want to hear. Tell me what I need to know. That is ultimately what's going to lead to growth. So exposure equals expansion. Sometimes it's good exposure, right? Like, all right, exposure to more film, like Lamar was talking about exposure to different cultures. Sometimes it's exposure that hurts. Hey, mm-hmm. Lamar, what's the one thing that you want to tell me, but you're afraid to, or you don't feel comfortable, or you don't know how I'm going to take it. We as leaders mm-hmm. have to be willing to take those arrows for the good of the team. Mm-hmm. The leader is the tip of the spear. They get the bloodiest, they get the dirtiest, they take the most damage, but they're also leading the way. Mm-hmm. That's okay. So I'm, you got me fired up, Lamar. Let's land this right. plane because we'll talk for <laughs> another hour.
1: <laughs> uh, no, that was re- really well said. I think at that very end, man, Uh, Put that on repeat because a lot of people needed to hear that. Uh, But once again, this has been more than numbers. Enneagram for business on Lamar Bratton, along with the Enneagram coach for professionals, Keanu Trujillo. Hadn't said that in a while. Hadn't said that in a while. Anyways, we out.
0: If you found value in this episode, then chances are someone you know would find value as well. We would love it if you would share this episode with someone that you know. If you loved it, then go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. And if you liked it, let us know in a review. See you next time.